All right, welcome everybody to the EM Over Easy podcast. I am Andy Little, joined by my co-host today, Drew Kalnow. Drew, how are you? Good. I'm just wondering if I'm only your co-host today or if this is a permanent position. Did I get that pink slip and I didn't know it? We're always each other's co-hosts, but there's just the two of us today because Tanner got stuck in traffic and John is on vacation. But we are joined by our special guest today, Megan Gillespie. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Now, for those of you that have not heard Megan's voice before, she's new to the show. She's a longtime listener, first-time guest, but she is currently finishing up her chief year as an EMFM resident at Jefferson Health in Philadelphia and is starting a new job at Penn this coming July as an attending EM physician. So Megan, again, thanks for coming on. And really, thank you for bringing this topic to the podcast. As we mentioned before we started recording, there are certain topics that we've wanted to cover in some way, shape, or form, but... You know, we've got a long list that kind of things over time, we eventually get to it, but usually we need a catalyst. And this has been on the list, uh, talking about debriefing in, in some shape or form. And I know from Drew's simulation background, this has probably got him really excited to have this conversation today. So, Mega, why don't you introduce the idea of a hot debrief, and then we'll kind of we'll get going. Awesome. So uh, we're going to be talking about hot debriefing today, like Andy said, and a hot debrief is basically a debrief that happens within a short interval after a critical incident. So this is great for the ER because things happen on shift all the time and, you know, kind of get scattered and going back to catching up with everything else sitting in your pod. And then if the hospital wants to do a cold debrief, that means you got to come in on your day off, you kind of forget what happened. So uh, I think the hot debrief is really a great idea to introduce and practice more commonly in our ER everyday practice. I love the idea of a hot debrief in the sense that there's there's so many issues and there's so many things we have to get off our chest and take care of right away, right? And exactly like you said, it, you know, unlike the the fire service and other places where debriefs happen on a, a really a more regular interval because the same crew is going to come together again in three days or in six days or in nine days, and it's really easy to do more of that warm debrief or that cold debrief. We don't have the same team working together all the time in the healthcare setting and particularly in the emergency department. You know, it's a different group of attendings. It's a different group of residents, potentially, if you're at an academic place, different group of nursing techs. Hey, the consultants that came in to help you out might be different, too. So getting everyone back together, exactly like you said, is a challenge. There's challenges with a hot debrief, too, though. So there's a lot to unpack here. Why don't we start with just the pure terminology of that hot, warm, and cold debrief so our listeners that don't necessarily know what we're talking about understand that, and then we can delve into maybe the pros and cons of the the actual hot debrief and and how we can probably all do it better, which is where I think we're going to end up getting to at the end of this talk. To start, debriefing is a psychologically safe environment where a team can constructively communicate about an event that was just triggering to the whole team, and whether that's triggering because there was a mistake, uh, it was emotionally impactful, or whatnot, there's a lot of things that can be taken from a debrief. And then as you mentioned, there's kind of two specific types of debriefing. So hot debriefing, like we kind of briefly touched on, is short in duration, ideally less than 10 minutes. And that's also going to happen within a short interval after the event so that all the critical team members that were part of it can discuss everything that was going on. And then a cold debrief is going to happen, you know, days to weeks later, often includes people who weren't a part of the situation. So like hospital admin, maybe some outside resources to further delve into it. And so kind of going into some pros and cons, a pro with the hot debrief we've already talked about is that 
it's easy and feasible to kind of do on shift with everybody who was there who would benefit from it. A con is what we're going to talk about today is it's really hard to lead one of these things right after a pretty significant event. You know, if you were somebody that had an error that happened that led to a bad outcome, or if it was just a really upsetting case, we, we see those all the time. So it can be kind of hard to figure out how to lead your team after you have a big incident and to a debrief. Um, and then in terms of cold debriefing, I think some of the pros are that you do have additional people there for discussion. You are a little bit removed from the situation, so you can kind of look at it from a different lens. But kind of on the flip side, some cons are just the same points. You know, you're removed from the situation. You might kind of forget how things did happen. You might have kind of suppressed some of the emotions that came with it or just kind of tucked it away in the back corner and don't really feel like bringing it up again. So I think, you know, there's kind of a lot there's benefit, I think, to doing both. But I think for me as a resident, um, I had a pretty difficult case emotionally for myself and the team. And this was a turning point for me that I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to manage myself. I don't know how to manage my team. And soon I'm going to be in attending and I want to be better in this. I, I want to learn what I can do better for myself and my team. Yeah, I like the idea that you bring up the emotionality of a case because I feel like that's both the reason to do this and probably the biggest deterrent of why people choose not to. It's having had some of those cases that are gut-wrenching, emotional, whether it be a pediatric arrest or you know, just kind of a, a calamity of errors where the situation just isn't very good. And then everybody feels raw afterwards. Nobody wants to talk about it. But then we don't ever really talk about it. And to me, I feel like when I think about, go back on the cases that I still carry with me, and I know we've talked about that in previous episodes, we all have dozens of cases that we still think about on a regular basis. Maybe if I had hot debriefed, maybe that case wouldn't be carried with me. Maybe I'd be able to un emotionally unload it. So I love the idea that you're bringing this to the show because I think it ties into some of the other stuff we've talked about in the past. But when we talk about the emotionality of it all, like how do you kind of just jump in and say, today's going to be the day and this is going to be the case we're going to do it? So I realized that this was something that I didn't know how to do. So if I didn't know how to do it, probably a lot of other residents and maybe a lot of other attendings and nurses also felt like they didn't know how to do it. Um, so I wanted to kind of teach myself how to make that switch, how to reset after a critical event and be able to address my team. So I came up with a mnemonic called the reset mnemonic, which we're going to be talking about a little bit more in depth today. But basically, the reset mnemonic is a mnemonic to run out through in your head, give yourself like a minute to kind of like pause and reset and put yourself in a good mindset to be an effective and efficient hot debriefing leader for yourself and the team. So reset stands for recognizing the critical incident, emotional self-awareness, self-debriefing, empathy towards others' emotions, and then team hot debrief. I think that's so important that you start with self because you can't lead, you can't even really be part of a debrief after a stressful situation immediately if you don't give yourself the chance to process your own emotions. From just a pure simulation standpoint, which is nowhere near the emotionally challenging or, or stressful situation that we're talking about on a, a really bad patient case, no matter what it is in the emergency department. There's a lot of literature, and I try to build into my practice, the idea that there needs to be a cooling off period. Even if it's just 30 seconds or a minute where the case ends 
and we don't start the debrief right away. You give everyone a chance to process what's actually happened. And that's not about processing for the rest of the team. It's about processing for yourself and understanding, hey, here's where my challenges were. Here's where I did well. Here's where I didn't do well. Here's how I feel right now. And my first question to the team always is after a simulation is, how's everyone feel? We can talk about all the medicine stuff later, and that's oftentimes what the cold debrief is actually for, is the troubleshooting processes and quality improvement. And so now we just got to deal with how do we all feel, right? And because so often what we do is we suppress how we feel, and we go and we sit down at the computer, and we start documenting, and we put in orders, and we go, oh, man, there's 10 more people that need to be seen in the ED that nobody's picked up. And we've not given ourselves that chance to be self-aware and to be emotional ourselves. So I love the idea that even before we get to the team hot brief, the first part of reset, I mean, really, you know, the first four steps of reset is is you and your emotional stability. So that is really insightful. Yeah, you know, Drew, I, I agree. Uh, I kind of learned through one particular difficult case, but as Andy kind of mentioned, this collective difficult cases, and even more so this past year with COVID as kind of like one giant terrible case that we've been reliving over and over. It's really made me recognize that ignoring your emotional rea- reaction to these critical in- incidents, it's not wellness, it's not bliss. It's just like you said, it's kind of creating bigger problems down the road. So what's really nice, um, this reset mnemonic, and then kind of a component of it, the team hot debrief, we can kind of talk about a little bit more, but they give you a script. So um, it kind of just walks you through these steps so that you actually have something to actionably start doing to actually acknowledge how you felt about it. And then when you're starting out, it's going to be uncomfortable to do because it's always uncomfortable to talk, you know, be vulnerable with your team and yourself even. So kind of having a script, I think, to start is a great place to start. And then you can kind of change it and adapt it to how it best fits you and your team down the road. So Megan, as, as we think about how to kind of approach this with your team, again, we talked about how the first row, first four of the five parts are really about yourself. And I really think the big one of, of all those, I think if I was to pick the pieces, I think we're probably pretty good at. So I think we're all pretty good at recognizing the critical incident. If you're not really good at reading your own emotions, this is probably a critical step that you need to take some time with. And there's a ton of good literature that we can include in the post on ways to do that because we need to be emotionally self-aware if we're going to be able to debrief with ourselves, which, of course, is number two or the, the third part, the S. But to me, I really feel like maybe the crux of all of this is and maybe and maybe just COVID's made it worse. But the empathy towards others is a really key step. And I feel like that's the one thing that. If I was to go back and think of the times we've tried to do this, the leader of the group forgot about step four. And they went from, they recognized, they said, I'm emotionally fine. They debrief with themselves. They forgot about empathy towards others. And then the team hot debrief kind of became more of an, a, real, a, a quick time M&M and not really something that people could learn from and grow from. I got this idea and kind of these mnemonic letters, uh, in particular from Daniel Goleman's Emotional Intelligence book, uh, which is, again, you know, we're taught all of the medicine, like Drew had kind of mentioned earlier, and it's easy to talk about the medicine side of things. So you spend all these years learning in med school and then in residency, you're applying all this knowledge, but you don't really learn necessarily how to be a good leader. And I think as a physician, the role of leadership often falls on you, which a lot of us can improve on in many ways. But this is also applicable for all members of the team. And it's really just remembering, you know, when Andy, you mentioned earlier, these cases that you carry forward with you, this like, the few cases that I carry forward with me, it's not necessarily about the case, it's about how like myself, and more importantly, like me and my team as a whole 
felt after and how that kind of affected, I feel like, almost the rest of our shift and the care that we were able to give other patients too, which is the whole point of why we're doing this. We want to provide good care. So I think being mindful and aware that other people are in different situations. So other people have different experience and learning backgrounds. So they may not understand why things were done. But even more importantly than that, everybody has a life and is a person entirely outside of work. So, you know, if we're working together on shift, like I might have something going on that you and Drew have no idea about. Kind of the same with all of your nurses and your techs. You have no idea what anybody's going through outside of work. So just kind of being mindful that this might hit home differently for different people and being open-minded to letting them express that if they want. And if they don't want to express it, still being open-minded and acknowledging how they feel. I think that's a really, really important part to improving team cohesion and making this meaningful and impactful for the whole team and not just for you. Because it's not about just you as the leader of the debrief. It's about the whole team. I would almost disagree with Andy's assessment. And not disagree that I think he's wrong, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that the issue is empathy towards others. But I think actually, a lot of the problem is that you don't allow yourself as the lead of these hot debriefs to be empathetic towards yourself and to process your emo- your own emotions. And, and you stand in front of this group that after this emotionally challenging event, you're like, I am the physician lead, I need to be strong, I need to put on this coat of armor and not be vulnerable. And so then the way of dealing with it, oftentimes when I've seen this, and, and I have no doubt that I have done this myself also, is that, and so opposed to dealing with everyone's emotions, you just deal with the the process issues because if I start dealing with others' emotions, I have to deal with my own emotions too, and I don't want to, right? It's it's a way of shutting down because I can't be vulnerable towards my staff. I can't show that this bothered me also. And in the times that I have been vulnerable, this goes so much better. And then we don't worry about the process stuff because that stuff will fix itself later. We can assess it later. There's there's time down the road to do QI and process improvement and worry about your latent safety threats. And that's, you know, that's a system issue. Right now, we're talking about just the the raw emotion and the stability of the people that participated in a emotionally challenging patient encounter. And it has to start with the person leading the debrief. And to and to disagree with me, I, I agree with your disagreement that maybe I, I think no, I, I I you bring up a good point that it's probably less about it comes off as though they're being less empathetic towards everybody else. But I think you and I have both been in these where it's really the other person just doesn't want to feel vulnerable, right. and one of the the shields we put on is to kind of just forget about the emotional part, and really probably do a cold debrief when we should be doing a hot debrief. And maybe that's part of it too. So again, walk us through what this is actually going to look like as we try to implement this after a critical patient encounter that we feel like, hey, you know what, this is something I feel emotionally challenged right now. Um, I'm not ready to just get back to action. So I think we need to do a debrief because if I feel this way, chances are there's somebody else on the team that feels the same way too. So how are we going to bring this together? And how does this work from the the lead standpoint, whether it's a physician leading it or uh, a nurse or somebody else leading it too? Because by no means does this need to be the physician. I think we all agree with that. It just somebody has to take ownership for the hot debrief part. So It's going to be challenging and difficult for you individually to lead one of these things, whoever's listening and wants to lead. And then it's also not going to happen overnight, the culture change where everybody wants to kind of talk about things and be vulnerable after. So I think kind of first and foremost is the disclaimer that this is going to take a lot of practice as with anything we do. You didn't just intubate like a goddess the first time you put an ET tube in. Like you have to, you have to practice. It's it's the same thing. Well, true. (laughs) 
I, you are a sim master, so I should have known better. Completely kidding. Um, no. <laughs> I, I think I've seen Drew's ET2 be dislodged before. Now, we can talk about the premises of how that yeah, happened, but Drew wasn't, like, he didn't come out of the box. There was probably a hot debrief that needed to happen there, no doubt. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, no, so for me, um, to improve how I was a leader of hot debriefing, and this, like you said, applies to any role, it kind of first started with me acknowledging how I was feeling about these different events. And so each shift, I was starting to do like a self check in like on my drive home. And I was like, hey, like, what are some of the things that I felt on shift today? And could I have kind of acknowledged these feelings more real time? And with a little bit of practice there on shift, when we had a critical incident, I was a little bit more available to assess my own emotions. So there's a couple different ways to do this. The way that we've been implementing at my shop that seems to be working out pretty well as we kind of streamline things to be most effective is, you know, if in the situation where the patient dies is to kind of just do this like right after, right while you're in the room with everybody. And Andy, maybe you can talk about this a little bit, but um, you had written something about acknowledging like a moment of silence or respect for the patient. So I think there's like a little bit of a script that can kind of set the tone to start this out while everybody's still physically right there before they run off to catch up on the things that they've missed the last two hours. But Andy, tell us a little bit about the thing that you had written about respecting a patient after passing away. Yeah, and this is something that's been new. Like, I I will openly admit that this has been my clinical practice since about last fall. I was an idea that came up to me by Ali Alvarez, who we all know. And if you've listened to the show, he's been on before. Look up his stuff. He does a really good job with humanism in general. But this idea that at the end of every death, we should recognize that we're not just dealing with the poor man's term was a bag of bones, but we're dealing with somebody who was somebody's mother, sister, daughter, husband, son, brother. And we need to acknowledge that at the end of some of these deaths. Because for the layperson listening to this show, death is not pretty when it happens in the hospital. It's just not. We're aggressive. We break bones. We put tubes in places where we only do it when we're trying to save somebody's life. Like it's it's kind of, I mean, if it was a, if it was a movie rating, these are all rated R moments that happen. And then we just say, oh, they're dead. And when I had this conversation with Ali Alvarez, we just talked about how there's a better way to do this and how we should cherish that this person was a person and that they meant something to to not just somebody, but to a lot of people and to acknowledge, even if we don't know anything about them, that there was an impact made by the individual that we just called time of death on. And it's been really kind of practice changing for me because it's made kind of the, I, I did it kind of very cornerly the first couple of times thinking, oh, nobody's going to like this. But now it's a thing and people really enjoy it from the perspective of it reminds them that this was a human. This could have been their brother, their sister, their mother, and knowing that there are other healthcare workers out there who will see their family members and even themselves one day as an individual and what they contributed to society rather than just a bag of bones. So no, it's uh, it's been something that's been practice changing over the last uh, six to nine months that I kind of wish that I had been doing before and kind of think about how, how many of those people that are in my backpack would, wouldn't be there if I had done this even just in that moment. So Well, Andy, I think that's that's just it, right? Is we dehumanize the death and, and difficult situations because it's we're protecting ourselves. But that doesn't help us in the long term. And I think that's what Megan's going to get at. Yeah, so I was just gonna say, maybe we can link um, to kind of your write up in our show notes too. But I think kind of going back to your question, Drew, to start this. So uh, I had some more emotional self awareness. And that started with end of shift check ins. And then I tried to be more real time with it when I was on shift. 
And then I think like the crux to actually implementing this is having a script. So whether it's kind of the thing that Andy had written up, you keep saved in your phone for when there is a death or uh, Drew, like you mentioned in Zim, you always start after with how are you feeling after this? So whatever your go-to intro is to transition to the hot debrief, I think it's just important to find a script that works for you. And we'll link it in our show notes too. But I I came up with one that's we've been using at my place and kind of use the stop five minutes hot debriefing script. So um, basically, it tells you to thank the team, gives you an optional moment of silence or an opportunity to say something about the patient if you choose. And then to set the tone too. So you got to set some ground rules when you're doing this. And then once it picks up, these will kind of be expected and standard, but set the rules. You know, we're going to spend five minutes right now doing a team debrief. The purpose is to improve the quality of patient care and our team dynamics. It's not for blaming or personal feedback. It's just a general feedback session. Your participation is welcome, but not mandatory. Again, in the beginning, you might only have three people that want to join in the debrief after and just kind of persistence and patience and keeping at and practicing. I think that will improve and expand kind of how Andy mentioned now, like, you know, their time after death is kind of a thing that everybody expects and wants. So I think just kind of being persistent with it. Um, And then finally, setting the rule for the debrief the team once you've transitioned to that step in the reset mnemonic, just making sure that everybody knows that all the information discussed is confidential. And again, just for general feedback to kind of improve team dynamics and patient care. And then uh, for us, the team debrief. So we weren't really debriefing that often at my place and definitely not with any consistency. So having one tool, and it can be any tool that you would like to use, maybe your place already uses one, but I found one um, by Dr. Craig Walker over in Edinburgh, actually, called the Stop for Five Minutes. And I really like that because stop is kind of the mnemonic to work through. So S is to briefly summarize the case. T is to talk about things that went well. O is for opportunities to improve. And then P is for points to follow up on. So in the beginning, again, this might kind of automatically fall into that systems and medicine discussion, like you mentioned, Drew, but just kind of refocusing the group. Like, so summarizing the case, like, instead of just being like, you know, if this was a pediatric resuscitation, blah, 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 be like, well, this was like a really upsetting case for me because of whatever things that went well. So instead of just, yeah, we got medications on time, you know, we were good with this and this and medicine wise, you know, things that went well, like we had great closed loop team communication. You know, we had great feedback, constructive feedback, if somebody thought maybe something was inappropriate for the process. So kind of focusing more on the emotional aspect and the team aspect, I think during the debrief uh, is is kind of key to this. So to throw a little bit of a curveball in there, and I don't know if you've experienced this yet, and it's not something that I have experienced very often, but I'm curious what your take would be on it. So we're doing a hot debrief. Now, it emotionally challenging case, but a case that just didn't go well. We as a team did not function very well, and everyone knows it. How would you deal with that during that quick hot debrief portion where not only are there the emotions of the case itself, but everyone's going to be emotional just because there's going to be a feeling of you know, insufficiency or failure on top of just the difficult situation? 
Yeah. So, you know, in any charged situation, it's important to read the room. So if you do need to take some time to step away, that I think is totally fine. But before everybody leaves the bedside, say, hey, like, we're going to meet back here in 20 minutes. Anybody who wants to join, we're meeting, you know, in this room in 20 minutes. That way you have like a set time where everybody can rejoin after they've had some time to cool off if you want. The other thing, you know, if it's not emotionally charged where you feel like your group kind of needs to physically step away. I think you kind of like nailed it on the head. Everybody knows and everybody kind of feels the same thing. So it just takes somebody to say it. it. If we're all having a debrief, the three of us, and you know, I know that it didn't go well. I know that you guys know it didn't go well. I'm going to say like, hey, this did not go well. Like, what can we do better next time? So I think being open and kind of verbalizing some of these things that we're all thinking also kind of normalizes the response, whether it's positive, negative, room to grow, whatnot. I think kind of verbalizing it really helps pull the team cohesion back together, actually saying it out loud. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's really important. It's it's part of that being open with yourself and honest with yourself and being vulnerable. It's just admitting this is what happened. You know, I messed up. We didn't do well. I feel really emotionally drained from this case. And now let's talk about it. Because I think whoever's leading that case, when they say that, my guess is there's just a sigh of relief from everybody else in the room going, phew, I feel the same way too. All right, now I can actually tell you how I feel. There definitely is some immediate relationship building when, when you're the one that just opens up and says, hey, this didn't like... It didn't go well, didn't like do kind of do the check around the room to where we're all on the same page. Uh, Cause then I feel like you can have that open and honest conversation about the other stuff. If, if you're, you just have to be willing to break the ice. And again, you know, like the hot debrief isn't meant to give personal feedback. So it's not meant to say like, Hey, Drew, you messed up that ET tube. It got dislodged again. You know, that's like for a separate conversation. And that's kind of goes back to the whole emotional intelligence of being aware of like your own emotions to something, your own response to something, and then also how to use that in a positive way to kind of discuss or manage or change for the better someone else's response and emotions. You know, that's just something that needs to be done privately and not in a group. And I think too, sometimes in discussion when it's or debriefing, when it's getting started, you might have some other participants that start to go down that path. So just kind of making sure that you have a script to just bring everybody back like, hey, like, you know, uh, for personal feedback stuff, let's meet after let's just focus on general stuff at this time. Yeah, I think that's a great differentiation to make and, and really make it clear that the hot debrief is to make sure that as a team emotionally, we are okay, number one, to continue caring for patients for the rest of our shifts, and that emotionally, we're okay going home. And we've had a chance to begin to process what we just dealt with. And then down the road, if there are system issues, if there's skill issues, if there are medicine related issues, we'll deal with that in, in a separate venue. That's not what this is for. So I think that is a, a very important differentiation to make. Megan, this has been absolutely amazing. I think you probably have some summary take-home points for us to to drive this home. And I think we probably have another conversation or two to have about this also down the road as, as we begin processing what a hot debrief looks like for us individually. Just in summary, um, hot debriefing is a constructive communication after a critical incident that is in short intervals. So it can be immediately after the event to a couple hours after to try to include all the team members that were present. Um, And I think that hot debriefing because of these reasons is important to incorporate more frequently into our emergency medicine practice. Take home number two would probably be, you know, as a resident, and I can't speak as an attending yet, but maybe you guys can feel similarly. I was never taught how to manage myself and my team after these critical incidents. So if you need something to kind of help you get started down this path, you can, of course, uh, change it and modify it to best suit you and your practice setting. But 
try out the reset mnemonic, you know, recognize the critical incident, have some emotional self-awareness, self-debrief, have empathy towards others' emotions, and then lead a team hot debrief. And again, the team hot debrief that I've been using is the Stop for Five Minutes by Dr. Craig Walker at the Edinburgh Hospital. So, but anything that works for you works for me. And I think just having a script will really transition you to be able to put this into practice more easily. Megan, that is awesome. So thank you so much. That is Megan Gillespie. She is, first of all, congratulations, about to graduate from her EMFM program, where she is a chief resident and about to be a no doubt awesome attending at UPenn in Philadelphia. So congratulations for all that. And thank you so much for joining us. This is a great, certainly something that I feel very passionate about. But to be honest, I'm going to be much better at the idea of hot debrief in the emergency department, um, no doubt because of this. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. It's been awesome to talk with you. All right. Well, for our listeners out there, be sure to check us out on emovereasy.com and our uh, various hosting platforms. And don't forget, if you've been hiding behind a rock, not listening to us, we are the official podcast for ACOEP. That's the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. We're really excited about this partnership. Be sure to check them out to acoep.org. They have some incredible education opportunities coming up and are a really great organization to be part of. And as always, thanks for listening. Be safe out there. Mm-hmm.